This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Magpies Unrestricted. Ladies and gents, welcome to Magpies Unrestricted, where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host, Chris Simpson, and joining me, as always, is Cara Thistlethwaite. Hello. And we are looking at another 4-0 win for Newcastle, ladies and gentlemen. Aston Villa, the latest to fall to the Magpie sword. A phenomenal performance, again. Easily just... could have been 6-0. Uh, yeah. Two off the bar, and, and to be honest, probably could have been more... Because there was a couple of chances that were just out of the reach of Wilson. But yeah, no, it's it, it's a great game yet again. Um, Almiron showing his class not only with the goals, but um, several very good opportunities to set up chances. Obviously getting a couple of assists as well. But just a key player, as always. And uh, yeah, that's six goals in six games then for Almiron. Yeah, I mean, what an October he's had. What a month. And in, in fact, we've got to say, this result as well... Five wins from six games in October. We drew the other one away at Old Trafford, so that's 16 of a possible 18 points. I'll be honest, you you really can't look beyond Eddie Howe for Premier League Manager of the Month and Miggy (laughs) Almiron for Premier League Player of the Month. I can't think of anyone who really comes close to either of them. You see, it's going to go to Grealish, right? (laughs) I don't even need to make that comparison anymore. Almiron doesn't play for one of the teams that get player of the month so we'll see <laughs> I I personally honestly I would be astonished if they give it to anyone else uh, yeah. but he has been a standout player um, and what a goal again yet another but it's, it's sort of becoming his trademark now that sort of curling finish from the outside of the area with his left foot yeah we but saw it, it, says, last week. it says a lot about the, his confidence and the confidence of the team that he's more than willing to try this again and again and again because we do see players that try and have a, a smash and 90% of the time nothing happens um, but in this case, Amaron is beating the odds. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I hope all the best because he has, he did have a little bit of a rocky start, as yeah. we said before. And this is just, just really good for him and, and, and the team. So It's lovely to see him doing so well. I mean, we've spoken about this literally like the whole of October because he's done so well. But like, you know, he, he came from Atlanta United. He absolutely tore it up in MLS. He, he was the... Uh, M- MVP. Mm. Um, you know, he essentially he was the, the he was the league's player of the season. <laughs> to yeah. translate that into non-American, <laughs> I do I do want to say though, um, I feel that this love story has gone on too long. Um, of Murphy and the Post, <laughs> I just think it's just like a will they won't they moment, <laughs> and every time it's yeah. like just 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 missing. Yeah, na- name a better name a better duo, Jake and Murphy, and, and, the, and the woodwork. I mean, bless him. Uh, again, thankfully, obviously, it's one of these where in the past that sort of cost us, and now it's like, well, yeah, it's always lovely if it can make it five nil, or as you said, could have been six six nil. Uh, you know, with Wilson hitting the bar as well. But um, but again, it's yeah, all right, his finish didn't go in, but you know, he got an assist in the game. He's playing really well. He's you know coming and helping contribute when Sir Maximan 
has been out. Um, I think this is the thing that's making the difference. The team is a cohesive unit. It It's now not just we rely on San Maximam to run up the pitch and, and, and pass it. Yes, obviously, Wilson's back in the team, which makes a huge difference to the goal-scoring capabilities of Newcastle. But everybody is putting a shift in. And and as he's just said, everybody's contributing. And, and that's made these results possible. I'm not saying Newcastle wouldn't have won. I'm saying Newcastle probably wouldn't have won to the extent that they have been without the team playing as a unit. So, 100%. Yeah, no, I think we, Eddie Howe's done really well to get them all back on side. Well, they didn't really have them offside, but getting them, pick them all back up off the floor and probably reassure them that they're not all going to be shipped out to get a whole brand new, brand spanking new squad in. Um, and they are all playing for their roles and, and effectively their jobs, really. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing, you know, as, as much of an impact as the new signings have had, you know, in terms of, you obviously look at Kieran Trippier and, and Bruno being the two biggest so far, but I mean, all of them have had a positive impact in their own way, apart from, well, sort of Chris Wood, you kind of forget about him a little bit, and hopefully he's, he's like the one player we're still kind of waiting to really kind of do it, but... As he said, yeah, and as we've spoken about recently, it, it's all these other players like Almiron, like Jointon, like Jacob Murphy, like Sean Longstaff, uh, and a few of the other players who were already there, who he, he's just getting so much more out of them than, I mean, not to bring it back to Steve Bruce, but just because he was the last one. You know, we don't get me wrong, you know, Bruce didn't necessarily have a ton to work with um, you know, I mean, no one did in the in the Ashley era, though. Again, for the record, he did have more to work with than Rafa Benitez had. But even so, we still felt like less than the sum of our parts then. And now we feel not only have we got much better parts to work with, but as we yeah, we we also feel like we're greater than the sum of those parts, and those parts are considerably better than they were this time a year ago. So that's a huge, huge positive. And as you say, it's not just down to Callum Wilson, but you know, let's let's give him a bit of a shout out. Two goals, unlucky not to get his hat trick. Obviously, Joel Winton ended up getting one off the rebound. You know, he hit the bar, uh, and you could tell how frustrated he was that even though we were winning four 0 and he had a brace, he wanted that hat trick. Um, and I guess we've got to ask the question now. You know, Gareth Southgate as well must be said was in the stands um, to watch. Wilson um, have such a great game. Obviously, Harry Kane is going to be the first choice for England, um, you know, this winter, barring um, a last-minute injury by, uh, before the World Cup. Obviously, that's that's absolutely not in doubt whatsoever. But he's probably going to bring, you would think, at least two backups to Harry Kane. You would think, especially since it's a twenty-six-man squad. And you're not you're never gonna just rock up with one striker. Um should Callum Wilson be on that plane? I mean, yes. But also, is it worth it? And I mean that in a nice way, because basically you're paying for a bloke to go to Saudi Arabia to play football, um, and potentially he might not play any because he might get injured. <laughs> so it, I, I, as horrible and as harsh as it as it seems Yes, stats-wise, when he's played 100%, Wilson deserves to go. Um, you know, six goals in nine appearances. No one else can really argue with that plain and simple stat. 
But is he and is his, not performance, that's not the right word, but is his availability, is his fitness consistent enough to worth, you know, to, to, to basically swap him? Like, you, you say you can only take three forwards at best. I mean, pro- I suspect they will. it will bring two centre-forwards as back up to Harry Kane. Obviously, I mean, Marcus Rashford has seven goals in 15 appearances for Man United this season, so he's not done too bad. He may come a bit like St- Sterling. He might, Southgate might sort of include him more as like a winger than a mm. centre-forward. Um, but I, yeah, I, I get completely get what you mean. I think the fitness thing is... Let's face it, it's the one real question mark over Callum Wilson just as a player generally. If he had the fitness, I I mean, you know, he's a brilliant player. If if he had the ability to actually stay fit for an entire season, I've and I've always said this, I think he would be a 20, 20 goal a season striker. If he can get, you know, sort of twelve to fifteen in a not great team whilst being injured half the time, I think yeah, you add the extra games, um, if he's fit, then he's a twenty goal a season striker. I think he's Mm. probably the most clinical finisher England have, certainly after Kane, um, if if not slightly ahead of him. Obviously, Kane all-round is is obviously a better player than Callum Wilson. I'm not trying to suggest that. But yeah, I think... I mean, don't get me wrong, I completely agree. It would be really gutting to see him go with England and get injured. Mm. But part of me would also be like really proud if he went. I mean, again, he's if he goes, he's going to be back up Unless Kane gets injured, he, he's he, at best he's probably going to come off the bench here or there, or maybe if we win both of our first two group games and the last one, you know, if we if we're already through, it's a bit of a dead rubber. Then maybe you give Harry Kane a rest and and, and maybe you start them then. Uh, but still, I don't know. We're just like Newcastle, you know. We've we've well, we've now got Trippier, but we've like and and I guess Pope as well, but like. It's been so long since we've really had like a regular in the England team, like not really since since Michael Owen and of again obviously Michael Owen spent most of his time at Newcastle injured. injured. Um, <laughs> so you know, I can see them, the parallels. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, you know, you go further back and obviously then you've got Shearer and, and and all the rest. But like, yeah, there's just something that I think would be really exciting for me to see Callum Wilson go, and just from an England perspective, again, he is I think probably the most clinical finisher. England have got um, after Kane. after Harry Kane. That said, of course, Ivan Tony he's had a really good season with Brentford, eight goals in fourteen games, and again he's an absolute uh, marksman from the penalty spot as well. Um, you know he's got he's got what like twenty out of twenty career penalties, something ridiculous now. So, um, and again, obviously there's room for more than one back up to um, to Harry Kane. So. I could see Wilson and Tony both going. That said, you know Southgate, he does like Tammy Abraham. Abraham is a good player, but he's you know we had a decent season for Roma last season, but he's not really had a great one so far this season. He's only got three goals in fifteen games for Roma this season, which you know is not great in terms of like giving him momentum going into the tournament. No, not really. And obviously, we're literally only um, a couple of weeks away from the tournament, so it's not like he's got time to um, really rack up m- much momentum in you know in the next two, three games that he'll play. So, yeah, I, th- I think if, if if Wilson stays fit for the next two weeks, and that, let's face it, that is still a big if for him. I'd, I'd love to see him on that plane. And I think, 
I think Southgate will be strongly considering considering him. He has to, and doubly so the fact that you know he was in the stands to personally witness him. A dispatching a penalty always useful to have. Again, Callum Wilson maybe not as quite as deadly as Ivan Tony from the penalty spot, but a very very reliable penalty taker. As it also obviously is Harry Kane, so you know always good to have them in your back pocket if you even if you just need to bring them on for a shootout. But also. Yeah, I, I don't understand how you could watch him and not at least strongly consider him. So I'm sure he's in the framework. Um, and yeah, hopefully, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see him on that plane. So I'm, I'm certainly hoping for that anyway. Yeah, no, it, it would be nice to see basically a new bird in the England team because I don't even think we're going to get out of the group stage. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, God, I, I hope so. Um, but hey, you know... <laughs> The Americans are going to be well up for it. The Welsh are going to be well up for it. They're not going to be easy games. And Iran, I think, may be a little bit of a wild card. So it, it's, although in theory, obviously, we should get through that group with ease. Never, ever, it's, ever put your hope in the men's England. team. <laughs> it's England. And like I say, both, we've got, we're going to have at least two games where they are going to go hell for leather to yeah. beat us. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one for England. But... Back to um, Newcastle. We'll wrestle it back to club football. Um, worth pointing out, uh, we thought, was that uh, Newcastle fan group, uh, NUFC against sports washing, are actually planning to stage an anti-Saudi ownership protest. Um, they're going to do this uh, on Newcastle's home game with Chelsea on the 12th of November, so the last one before the World Cup. It's going to be a silent protest. Uh, they're not going to be chanting. Uh, group founder John Hurd said, uh, but basically they're going to be displaying a banner outside St James's Park, showing photos of young people who were on death row and some who were executed, uh, and trying to highlight basically some of just some of the issues. Uh, in this case, focusing on on young people who, you know, are basically victims of this incredibly you know awful and, and horrific regime. What I think is good is that they're trying to educate rather than dictate, I suppose, and. If you are at the match at all, I would suggest go and talk to them. Get informed, get some knowledge about the situation. You don't necessarily even have to agree, but if you get information on both sides, I think I think that's the really useful thing about this protest. However, I can see a lot of fans throwing verbal abuse at them. So Yeah, and that's that's also what I fear, and I hope that yeah. that isn't the case. Um as they whether you agree with it or not. Whether, whether you're happy with the Saudis being here or not, I, I don't think we can be, you know, just to, uh, to channel Nigel Pearson for a moment, sticking our heads in the sand like an ostrich mm. and completely just trying to completely ignore all the issues surrounding it. I know there's lots of whataboutery. I know there's all the, oh, well, you know, the British government, Saudis, their allies, blah, blah, blah. I mean, the less said about the British government right now, the better. Uh, let's not get too political. We have a government. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Pretty Patel was bad. <laughs> I mean, honestly, listeners, uh, who knows who the Prime Minister will be by the time this goes out? That It could already be updated. The latest. <laughs> you know, so, but like, you know, yeah, there's lots of things. And again, I do get the argument that like, you know, we, at the end of the day, we are just fans. Like, what we just want to support our football team. We want to enjoy them playing good football. And again, I can't say I haven't really, really enjoyed the last year of Newcastle on the pitch. Um, but you know, I, I want to. I just wanted to shout shout out these guys because 
I think what they are doing is worthwhile. It doesn't mean they're not supporting Newcastle. It doesn't mean they're not happy to be rid of Ashley. And I'm sure they've enjoyed what's happened on the pitch over the last year as well. But I, I yeah, I, I, hats off to them. As as Kara said, yeah, if you're at the ground, you know, don't. If you do, even if you don't agree with what what they're doing, just you know, move on by. But yeah, go and talk to them. Go and educate yourself because at the end of the day, these people, and as they said, you know, it's it's not just about Newcastle. It's about football. More generally, you know, dictators, oligarchs, regimes, just nation states should, just shouldn't be getting involved in our game. And yeah, all right, the cat's kind of out of the bag with that, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't, we should just be okay with it. You know, we can speak up and you can still enjoy what's happening on the you pitch. Can, you can challenge the, the, the motivation and you can challenge how these owners should behave if that is, if they are meant to. Uh, be upstanding members of the world then we need to make sure that those standards are the standards that we agree to yeah and fans agree to and that it is all out in the open which i think is this is just something that it continues continues to not be but you know there should be some consequence i think for those people who or countries that that buy a club going through the pathetic um investigation for for the quality of the of yeah. the individual yeah the owners and directors um, tests yeah and the, sorry the quote unquote very rigorous <laughs> owners yeah. and directors tests that lets people like the saudi regime in it's just it's how, big, how big a sack yeah. of money are you going to give them um that's the test um but you know i think there needs to be some consequence on whether or not that it should be directed at the owners how it happens who knows but if nothing else fans should know both sides of the story or at least just know the story because I think some fans don't and just say whatever they fancy and should be able to have a say about how their club is run and what their club should be standing for in said country slash whatever yeah exactly so yeah as I say yeah hats off to these guys um yeah, I, I just fully agree with everything you said there. To be honest, Gar, um, you know, good on them. And I say, if you if you're there, go and have a chat. Or if nothing else, just don't don't give them any grief for it. You know, I think it's it's their right to do that as much as it is anyone else's right to to celebrate the regime. And if nothing else, well, I think they're. But as I say personally, I I agree with them and, and what they're doing. So yeah, I think I think it's good to see and good to show everyone else who. You know that we're not all just happy with the Saudis, despite everything they've done for the club. Yeah. You know, so I, I think that's a good thing. Not only that, I think there needs to be some tolerance with people who disagree with maybe what other people's point of view is. I think what we've seen in the last couple of years from all politics, even in our own at the moment, is a complete lack of tolerance for someone who disagrees with you. Even if they have a reason to disagree and saying that something is wrong doesn't mean it actually is. I think maybe, you know have a look at the evidence i don't know why evidence-based debating has vanished even in the high echelons of politics get information information is power at the end of the day so if you want to empower yourself get informed and that is this is a good start yeah uh in the meantime though again that's happening on the 12th of november when we play chelsea but this weekend we are taking a trip to southampton to let's hopefully continue our winning streak (laughs) Um, I mean, you should do. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's all looking good for us. I mean, 
obviously another clean sheet in the bag against Aston Villa. So that's uh, still got the best defensive record in the league. That's now uh, just 10 goals conceded in 13 games. So again, even even the top, well, we're fourth. We're, we're, we're kind of one of the top sides at the moment. But you know what I mean? Even your Man Cities and Arsenals uh, and Spurs who are above us can't match that. They have all scored more than our 24 goals, but they are the only three teams that have scored more than our 24 goals. Again, in 13 games, just shy of, of two goals a game is a, is a pretty strong average um, for a team who aren't Man City. So, yeah, we've got to say, we've got that momentum again, as we said before. We've won in October five of six games. And, it, you know, you, you couple that with with Southampton and the start to the season they've had, we've got to be pretty confident. Yeah, Southampton, 17th, 12 goals from 13 games. 12 uh, points, sorry. Sorry, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, they, and not only that, Newcastle have always had a quite good record against the Saints, um, winning five of of the last six meetings. But yeah, they've just, they've just not, they've not clicked this season and they've not even shown any real attempts of becoming a bit of a force and, and waking up to this this season's uh, Premier League. So yeah, I, I'm not I'm not too hopeful for them. It would be nice for Newcastle to get another good four goals that you know boost their own goal difference and obviously get the three points. So I'm hoping I'm hoping for that. But I don't really have much else to say about Southampton. They've kind of been a bit of a misnomer again this season, and you know they've just been they've not even been terrible. They've just been bad to the point where you just kind of forget that they're there. Yeah, I, I feel for Southampton at the moment because they kind of feel almost a little bit like we did under Ashley to an extent. Not hopefully, think I don't think things are necessarily quite as grim as that, but they kind of feel like they just sort of exist in the league at the moment. Um, whereas, you know, they're 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 quite a big club. It, they're, they're, there's no reason they shouldn't be trying to, you know, aim for getting in the top ten. And yet, yeah, the last few years, yeah, they just sort of seem to exist. Like Ralph Hasenhutl, just there just seems to be this complete ongoing debate of like, is he very good or is he not? And it just seems to like kind of go round and round with that. Obviously, there's they've had the couple of nine nils in the last um, couple of seasons, which somehow he's actually survived both of those, but. Um, you know, they, like I said, they, they seem a little bit like us in terms of they just sort of trying to tread water and just trying, you know, keep in the league and not really do much else. And that long term is is gonna is gonna bite them in in the behind, to be honest. So, um, and as you said, yeah, good good recent record. I mean, obviously we beat them at their place last time we met. Uh, it was that really good performance where Bruno scored that outrageous backheel flick, if I remember rightly, mm. um, in March or whatever time it was. Um, and yeah, we in our last nine meetings with them, we've only lost once and we've won six of them. So yeah, obviously, we, in terms of that sense, it's one of those rare occasions where we've actually got the good historical record and we're not trying to fight it. Which now means that you're going to lose. Um- <laughs> exactly. Hey, look, it's, you know, it's an away trip. It's a long, it's a long trip. Always is. You know, I'll, um, I don't want to just sound like I'm assuming that we are just going to rock up and win because the second Newcastle do that, no matter what kind of form we're in, that's immediately when the wheels fall off. Um, but in terms of momentum, we've got to back ourselves in terms of how we're playing 
And yet, as I say, not a brilliant start from them. They did pick up a, a little bit recently. They had that winner and win at Bournemouth, um, sort of in between those sort of draws with West Ham and Arsenal. But then, of course, then just this weekend gone, they lost one 0 to Crystal Palace. So, you know, they're sort of a little bit up and down again, just sort of floating around and kind of existing. So. I think it's a game we certainly should be targeting a win from. Hopefully we do. Obviously a win on the road is is always good and you know, we're really kicking on up the table. We wanna it'll be interesting to see what kind of impact the World Cup has and that that long break on all of the teams. Again, that's something that everyone's gonna have to go through. Um so if nothing else, we just wanna be as high up the table as we can be come that break, and then we'll just have to see what happens, you know, from Christmas onwards. So, yeah, fingers crossed we can get another three points in the bag. That would be amazing. Um, certainly, it's just it's just nice to be at this stage of the season and not be having, well, looking up the table and only seeing a handful of teams instead of looking up and, oh, yeah, we're bottom because we've not won a game yet. You know what I mean? Like, like this time last season, I think we were still waiting for our first game, uh, first win, sorry. So, you know, it's just it's just really, like, again... Obviously, all this comes with that huge pinch of salt of the ownership. Can never, unfortunately, get away from that. But like, oh my god, it's just so it's just so nice to just uh, just be playing well, just like every week, like basically every match this season, we've we've played well, um, and it, that's just it's just really rewarding after you know the last few years. So yeah, hopefully we can keep it up. We'll see how we go. In the meantime, though, guys, if you could please give the podcast a like and subscribe and a positive review, that'd be amazing. We've been Magpies Unrestricted. I've been your host, Chris Simpson. Thanks, Cara. No problemo. And as always, thank you, listeners. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.